This is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. We have a lot to get into tonight, so we're just going to get in, into it with the Word on the Street segment for today. And uh, the big thing that I wanted to go over was, of course, the shooting that happened uh, last week going on uh, in uh, Buffalo, New York. And, uh, of course, last Saturday, 18-year-old white male by the name of Peyton, uh, I think it's Grin yeah, Gendron here, from Conklin, New York, about 200 miles away from Buffalo, near the Pennsylvania Pennsylvania, excuse me, state line, he went ahead and decided to carry out a mass shooting in a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo, New York. Now, of course, you know, he's your typical angry white male with racist tendencies, and of course, he finds himself with a weapon. Like I said, he had military-grade equipment, including, of course, his firearms and, of course, some body armor as well. You know, of course, he's getting ready for a battle. He's not. He's just simply going into a residential neighborhood to fire on unsuspecting black folk. This is, you know, what these guys are believing. Even, you know, the black guy that committed this shooting, uh, a mass shooting about a month or so ago in the same state. You know, he thought he was doing some great service to the community. But again, you know, of course, it's all in their head. Now, like I said, this guy here went into a Buffalo grocery store killing 10 people, of course, all of them black, injuring two others. One of the people that he did injure was a white man. The shooting began in the parking lot before Gendron would make his way into the store and down the aisles. Now, investigators uh, found out that the rifle he had he purchased uh, he got that legally, but the ammo, of course, wasn't. Of course, this is the this is the issues here. It's either the firearm itself or the ammunition. You know, this is this is the issues we come across of uh, what we well the typical story, uh, as well as some type of fringe individual, whether you know regardless of race at this point. Uh, there's always some type of uh, illegal process in attaining the either the ammunition or the firearms. That's another. Uh, thing that goes along with this as well again it is supposed to be fitting this narrative of gun control i i've said this before and i'll say this again as far as as what i feel about that is i personally feel that if you meet all the criteria and you pass a background check then you should be able to purchase firearms however that that background check needs to be a lot more you know encompassing than what it already is obviously and we'll get into why I feel that way in just a second. Uh, now, what I will say is this. Um, handguns, rifles, I think that's per the theory of the regular citizen. These automatic machine guns, semi-automatics with all these different compartments and attachments. I'm not one for all that. I Again, if you're military personnel, police personnel, you know you have special training by all means. 
uh, regardless, you know, whether or not of that, that background. But if you do have that training, you do have those specific licenses, which I feel that they should be licensed as well. You probably have a license for your regular firearms and a license for your, you know, your heavy duty ones. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, but long, lengthy background checks for one, uh, just, you know, to really rectify some of these issues here. Because again, you know, anybody and everybody is getting contact with these, these weapons or it seems like on the surface that that is the point that that is well that is uh, what's happening here so uh, we definitely need to do something about that here now like i said typical anti-anything uh don white of course this is when we're talking about the perpetrator here with ambitions on clearing all people of european descent from the u.s which is ironic to me because of course if you would look back in his uh, heritage, I bet you you find some people from Europe. So it's very hilarious how white people in this country feel like they are at odds with the European that comes here as an immigrant. It's like the naturalized Latino who has an issue with the Latino who comes here via the border or via, you know, some type of immigration. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, because black folks will do it with, you know, the immigrant African and African American have they they beef as well so it's really hilarious how these you know these these uh you know these naturalized or you know american-born citizens have some type of issue with people coming from these different countries although this is all what this country has been about and a lot of us have those roots from people from different continents and countries uh, it's so uh backwards thinking uh for one uh, you know but anyways uh and uh he also uh, did significant amounts of research according to investigators to plan out this attack like where to go you know where exactly uh, what I guess exactly what neighborhood to go to uh, obviously and uh, where to do his damage and uh, you know again this has been an issue here but I'll get to a another problem in just a moment because I feel like black people you know people of color we are fighting a battle on two different fronts and we just have to realize that and uh, you know I'm going to call that out here as well now, uh, as a senior in high school, because again, this is why I have the issues about, you know, how we are coming across, well, how we are allowing these people to purchase these weapons and, you know, these background checks and so on and so forth. Now, as a senior, of course, Brendan would, you know, go through a mental health evaluation at a hospital for making threats. My question is, how does somebody like this get a weapon? We all know if you're black or brown with any type of stain on your record, you can't even get a job. Now, you can uh, you can be a white male and need psychiatric evaluation and still be able to purchase a firearm. That is a little bit backwards, America. I'm sorry. Uh, there's no, uh, there's no, you know, there's no conservative argument, Republican argument. There's no red pill argument that could get me to justify that there shouldn't be any type of solution to what we see right now. There's, there shouldn't be any way that we should be addressing this, uh, particularly with the main thing, background checks. I don't know. I know what the red is going to tell you. The reds are going to tell you they want to take away the guns. They want to take away this. They want to take away that. I'll tell you this. Ghost guns, we need, to, we need to find a way to get them off the street. Unregistered firearms, I'm for all that. But again, I don't. I haven't seen any legislation yet that's even coming from that side, uh, meaning the liberals, that state taking things away. It's mostly been background checks for, uh, and even you know we. Uh, and on the flip side, you know, just to kind of give you guys an example, there's a lot of hyperbole about from the from the left and from the blues about you know Republicans taking away voting rights when it's kind of a little bit 
deeper than that. In some situations, you might have some some questionable redistricting situations, but um, it's all about, in other, in other cases, it's really simply about verification, being able to have registered voters on roll and so on, and identification, and being able to backtrack who, who does what or who, who the, who's the registered voter is. So there's a lot of hyperbole from both sides about certain, you know, little arguments that they kind of use and they take to kind of get you to be instilled as a, as a voter and as a, you know, as a citizen to kind of, you know, go left or to go right. For example, like we mentioned with the right, their whole thing is, you know, firearms and, you know, cost of living and things like that and taxes and they'll bash the left about how they raise taxes or, you know, all these certain things happen like inflation, you know, for example, and then for example with, you know, the liberals and Democrats, they like to, you know, stress on racial and social issues and stuff like that. And we'll get into more about how conservatives feel in just a little bit in my basketball segment, believe it or not. But, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg for this episode in terms of how I feel about, you know, I guess, uh, uh, conservative ideologies, to say the least. Now, to break down some of the victims, uh, one of the main ones, uh, main ones being Aaron Salter, who was a retired policeman in the area. He was also working as a security guard at the time, and he would engage with uh, Grindon, and uh, but he was unsuccessful, of course, because you know the boy had on the the army, you know the army grade, you know armor. He was acting like he was getting ready for World War Three, and you know he hasn't even been deployed yet, hasn't you know <laughs> signed up for any branch of the military yet. But he's you know in our backyards, you know. Uh, convincing himself that he's, you know, an American citizen doing something American. But what's funny is is that, you know, I've I've heard this t- same type of sentiment. Now, what I mean by that is I've come across these sentiments, uh, you know, from different groups of Americans. And uh, most surprisingly recently I came across a black man. Now, these are all per- different perspectives. I I come across these different articles or different videos online and uh, this one was about different areas in which uh, it might be most secondary. I know, uh, trying, I'm, you know, bringing these different, I guess, antidotes together to kind of, you know, expose certain things about, you know, how how uh, how society is is looking right now. Now, mind you, we can take this on the surface and say, yes, white people are racist, and they've always been against us trying to shoot us out of the But if I were to be honest with you, uh, there's a lot of uh, discrimination and a lot of these very harsh or and or you know what do you want to say antagonistic feelings on all sides really i like i said i came across this uh video where a black man was saying uh black people will be in a better situation we could tell other people uh he made made sure i guess because it's the climate of what you know of climate where we at right now socially to point out asians he said we we as black people have not made it in this country of course i'm paraphrasing if we cannot be discriminatory against particularly Asians. Now, that's a backwards way of thinking, okay? And it just goes to show you that, yes, white people are still shooting at us. Yes, we are, you know, the target of choice for many groups or for many people. We have to understand that, you know, we cannot be the antagonistic people as well. We have to find more positive solutions. We can't, you know... Man, it's just so, and when I heard that, it goes, hmm, okay, so really we have an antagonistic, 
you know, situation amongst all different groups of people. Now, we want to highlight something when the white guy does something or when the policeman does something wrong. But again, we're talking about another thing that continuously goes on the radar, you know, particularly when these situations happen. Well, I'll get to that in just a second. But anyways, Aaron Salter, one of the main victims, again, he engaged with a gunman. He was unsuccessful, excuse me, in the past. Uh, took some gunshot wounds and uh, other victims included Ruth Winfield, an 86-year-old uh, mother of the community. Uh, we have Catherine Massey, age 72, and Roberta uh, Drini, age 32. Now, a lot of the victims here were women. A lot of these victims here were elderly. And altogether, it just gives this guy the image of a punk to me. You know, this is how these groups and this is how these individuals that come from these groups fig figure they can, you know, really antagonize or really send a message. You prey on the weak, you prey on the old, you prey on the women, punks, bitches, in my opinion, you know, and, you know, we, it's, you know, the way it all kind of works itself out, it's like, you know, it's almost like they trying to get us into some type of racial situation. And you have to be careful because, you know, again, you know, like I said, we're fighting a battle on two fronts, but let's get through, you know, a little bit more of, of I'm, I'm, you know, unraveling these legs here, you know, from this, this shooting situation. Now, behind the sale of the firearms is a man named Robert Donald of Vintage Firearms in Endicott, New York. He would go on to tell NBC, ABC, excuse me, and the New York Times that he has records of the sale but does not remember selling the rifle to the shooter. Bullshit. I don't want to hear all that. The fact is he made the sale. He has the records of it. All that I don't remember this and I don't remember that. That's a bunch of bullshit. I don't really want to hear it. And, you know, again, although, you know, again, and this is despite, you know, him having these psychiatric issues. He needed that psychiatric evaluation. He ended up passing the background check again. What are we doing here? Now, when you're black and Latino, you can barely get a job when you have any type of thing on your record. Now, you're allowing white men to get firearms with obvious mental, with obvious mental incapabilities or, you know, uh, mental health crisis. And so I think it's a very serious situation we need to look at. Also, like I said, it's a two-way front. It's almost like they're trying to play us. Because remember, like I said, like I said, the two, the two battles that we're fighting right now. Now, gun violence is a problem all across the United States. We talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago uh, with just the, you know, the large number of mass shootings and just shootings in general. Now, we take it a couple years back, almost a couple years back, to 2020. And 62% of the 19,350 homicide victims were black at a rate of 26.6%, 39.5% increase from 2019, just a year. Now, of course, the whites, they kill each other at a rate of, or they get killed at a rate of 2.2. The highest rates, these were the highest rates for black-on-black -black crime or black, you know, murder rates since 1994 since there was that crime bill being passed by the liberals and you know democrats that everybody hates and want to bring up you know and you know this is all of course compared to every other race in the u.s now there's not even another race that's in the double digits in terms of a crime rate uh ex excluding the native americans they're about 10 percent, so it's not even close so we're at a 26.6 rate the native americans i believe that are at a 10 so it's not even close with the next double-digit group 
Latinos are about 7%, like I said. Whites are about 2.2. I'm sorry, rate of 2.2. Now, this 26.6 rate, of course, obviously, you know, of course, we can count these mass shootings sometimes. You know, you have what happened in New York uh, where the brother went off. We have what happened here in Buffalo. We can, we can count on some years what happened, like in situations like at the church in South Carolina. But we know all the the majority of those murders are black men. But you can sit there and say, well, other races kill each other too, too, too. And that's, of course, true. It's convenience and it's, you know, relative, you know, um, not even convenience. I don't want it to sound like that. Like it's just convenient to kill somebody who, you know, looks like you or something like that. But it's convenient in terms of, you know, your jurisdiction or where you at and, you know, uh, where you reside. You know, you're, you're going to probably do more of your crime where you live at and whoever's around you is going to more likely be your victim. That's just the way that it is. If black people live amongst each other, they're going to do crimes amongst each other. Latinos commit, live amongst each other, they're going to commit crimes amongst each other. Same thing with the Asians and uh, white folks. The problem is the rate of crime at which we do crimes, meaning the frequency and the seriousness uh, in, all, in a lot of these cases, is a lot more. Is a lot more you know, so like I said, black folks are on a two-front battle. And don't get me wrong, like there, there's, there's these attacks like this that you'll see. And I think there's definite ways in which, you know, local government, uh, state government can find ways to, you know, control and monitor gun sales, at least, you know, really, you know, in, improve background checks. Uh, but in other situations, like, again, with the, these countless murders that we do against each other, there's things that we have to figure out ourselves. And I know we don't want to hear that, particularly at a time like this when it's obvious that this mass, you know, this mass shooting with this white guy involved. Nobody wants to see it that way. Everybody wants to push that under the back burner. Uh, but, but, but you know, you know, we have to we have to call out what we've done, whether it's been us being behind the trigger, whether it's been, you know, out here parading ourselves for, you know, a, a, a check. You know, by selling our our situation, uh, you know, you know, being a hole for our movements, you know, for these different corporations, these different white folks with money, aka George Soros. You know, uh, we don't want to go out like the BLM bitches, and I'm gonna say it like it is. I'm gonna call them like I'm gonna call it just like that because what they did was out of pocket. You know, 62% of our of of homicide victims are black men, ages 13 to about 30 something years old. We have, we have to, we are, you know, we are one of the few groups of people that I know that pat each other on the back for making it past a certain age. And it shouldn't be that way. Sure, we have situations with, you know, Peyton Gendron, you know, going off and having his little anti-black moment, of course. But every day, hmm. And I had somebody try to tell me, well, you know, the, the brothers that do the shooting, you know, they, they go to jail and the police, well, you know what? They supposed to go to jail for shooting somebody. Should the cops go for shooting unarmed people? Yes, of course. We're not arguing that, though. I'm not gonna argue that with y'all. I agree with that. But when we do shit to each other, we gotta figure that shit out. We gotta stop that as well. It's two. We got two. You know, we got a whole bunch of groups against us. That's all I'm gonna say. And you know, we can work. We can we can make things a whole lot easier by working things out with ourselves. That's all I'm gonna say right here. And. I am saddened by the by the loss of life. My condolences go out to all the victims lost. And, you know, again, this is, again, the situation, of course, the guy got, you know, 
have to end it without any other extra drama. You know, you got to live. But that's, you know, hey, what it, you know, it's bullshit as well. We have to know that when we create all the situations that we do. We want to jump on this, but don't forget we got, you know, Young Thug and them boys. You know, they done killed about four or five or a bunch more black people. We can talk about how Rico was bullshit, but yeah, if you look at some of what they been caught up with, it's some real shit, and look at what we do. So it's like, uh, you know, uh, we got to do better. That's all I'm going to say. All right, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break. Like I said, we're going to have a bit to talk about. Uh, this is like a kind of a month in, a little bit over a month in, check in on what's going on in the MLB. I'll be going over the recent scores and also going over the standings and kind of just talking about each team. And then again, uh, I'll be wrapping everything up with some NBA insight. We'll be going over uh, both of the first two games of the conference finals, of course, East and West. We got the Celtics taking on the Heat for the East and the Warriors taking on, uh, I wanted to say the Grizzlies, but I'm, I'd be way off. But they're taking on the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals. So I'm going to break down both of those two games and, you know, you know how we do. All right, y'all. If you, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it so far. I'm going to take a quick break, like I said, and I'll be right back. to dwell into the world that is the MLB about a little bit over a month in. So I'm going to go over some of the top scores uh, from Friday just to kind of bring you up to date. Of course, when you're listening to this, it's probably uh, Saturday. Uh, but um, just to kind of let you know, well, de- uh, Saturday. So just to kind of let you know what's going on as of recently, we're going to take a look at the, the most recent scores, like I said, uh, you know, after Friday. Uh, well, Friday night. And I'm going to go over the standings and we're going to kind of go into each team. So we're going to break that down. And uh, when we wrap it, uh, when we wrap that up, I have uh, a very interesting uh, piece uh, to speak on and kind of share my my uh, personal thoughts on. So, like I said, uh, let's get through the scores from, of course, Friday. Uh, when you listen to this, this is Saturday, probably. So, of course, when we get back into the future, when you, when you hear from me in the future, of course, we'll be a little bit further down in terms of the uh, further along in terms of the standings and, of course, stats and so and so forth. But uh, anyways, going into Saturday, uh, of course, last night, <clears throat> the Red Sox will get a win against the Mariners 7-3. to three. Uh, Both teams uh, are at, well, at 17-23 right now. Uh, basically, uh, well, both underperforming this year. And we'll talk about a little bit more about both of these teams when we get to the standings. But definitely surprising to me. I had the Red Sox within the you know the race for second or even third place, uh, possibly. They're in that spot right now, but of course seventeen and twenty three isn't necessarily a great looking record, at least on paper. And uh but you know, they have been picking it up as of lately. 
I think they've won six of their last nine. Trevor Story, uh, one of their big offseason acquisitions. He's been coming hot as of lately. Uh, he's homered. I think he has 10 homers in the past uh, about five or uh, maybe 10 or so games. And uh, he's hitting hot. You know, he started off the season very cold. But again, you know, things, uh, you know, things change. You know, this is a long season, 164 games, 162 games, something like that. And, you know, you have these ebb and flows just like with basketball. So this is a this is a moment where uh, Trevor Story is hot. Uh, he and, uh, you know, uh, I think actually in this game, he would hit a grand slam. And uh, Jackie Bradley, the right fielder, would get a three-run home run. And Austin Davis would get the win. He's 1-1 one one on the year. So Trevor Story, story of the game, Trevor Story's hot. He gets him a grand slam. But it's, again, indicative of what's going on with him lately. I think the, the game before that, he had the, at least three home runs, brought in about seven RBI. So he's hot. Uh, you know, his OPS is shooting through the roof as we speak. But for the Mariners, second baseman Abraham Pruer will get a two-run home run. Jesse Winker will get an RBI. Robbie Way, Robbie Ray, excuse me, uh, their big offensive acquisition. Uh, he would take the L here. He would go. He's currently four and four on the year. Six innings for him of work. Five hits. He gave up four earned runs, but he would have eight strikeouts. Like I said, both of these teams have disappointed. But the Red Sox have been coming alive as of late. Uh, the Tigers, uh, they take another loss here. Again, another team that, you know, I had at least improving a lot more, but they haven't done so. They took an L to the Guardians 6-1. to one. We got the Braves, again, another team here I had highly rated. Surprised me. Uh, they, uh, take a, they get a win here, but again, uh, still underwhelming so far this year. Five and three is the as the is the score there against the Marlins. We have the Blue Jays. Uh, they end up getting it done against the Reds. Uh, final score here two to one. This is interesting. I personally had the Blue Jays in the mix for the AL East. I'm glad I'm not wrong about that. Uh, their offense has been looking pretty good. The Reds. I pretty much knew they'd be finishing near the bottom, but. I mean, I had some positive things to say about them. I, of course, I know that I know that they had some great players from last year's last year returning, including Jonathan India. But I really didn't see them competing that strongly this year. I didn't see them falling off completely off the rails with one of the worst records in ba records in baseball. I think this is the worst record in baseball, if I'm not mistaken. I, if I'm not, yes, it is. And uh, for you know, again, just a bad season overall. You know, we have some of their players that uh, they that they acquired over the offseason uh, for one Tommy Pham. Uh, he's recently uh, recently quoted as saying, like, you know, he's pretty much all about himself. And, of course, now I'm paraphrasing, but he's pretty much all about himself this year. He doesn't really care about the team. And I feel like that's indicative of what you see in terms of his record and how they play. But uh, in yesterday's game, Matt Reynolds will get an RBI. And the team itself will go one for ten with runners in scoring position. So it's not like they didn't have chances; they just couldn't convert. And uh, it's it's a shame. Luis Castillo will take the L on the mound, uh, his second of the year. No wins just yet for him. Six innings of work, seven hits, two earned runs, and five strikeouts for the blue uh, for the Blue Jays. Again, coming strong with that offense. Bo Boucher, George Springer, both bringing RBIs on the mound. Hyunjin Ryu again, one of the one of the more solid pitchers out there. He has been struggling somewhat this year. Uh, he picks up the W, puts in six six innings of work, zero earned runs, three strikeouts, and sort of Romano, he gets the save. Uh, 13, uh, his 13th of the year, he has one of the highest uh, save totals so far individually in the season. Now, let's move on. Uh, we have the Diamondbacks getting the win against the Cubs, 10-6. to six. We have the Nationals 
They get blanked by the Brewers, excuse me, 7-0. to uh, Brewers have been very solid this year. We also have the Cardinals. Uh, they end up picking up a win here against the Pirates. Pirates, they've been boo-boo. Let's keep it real. Uh, I, I'm pretty, I, I, I know I have them rated low, uh, finishing pretty much last. This doesn't surprise me. Uh, again, final score, 5-3 in favor of the Cardinals. The Cardinals are 21-18. and 18. The Pirates, boo-boo. Like I said, 16 and 22. Don't expect much from them. I know, you know, it's shit talking, but it's real. They're not winning anything. Just, let's just be honest. Center fielder Harrison Bader and Dylan Carson for the Cardinals and Yadier Molina in his uh, home run, well, his farewell tour. They all get RBIs. Pitcher Adam Rainwright, who's 5 and 3 on the year again. Uh, very solid veteran. He's been with this organization for years. Him and Yadier Molina. They've won uh, at least one or two championships, if I'm not mistaken, at least one. And it's just won so many games, so many divisional titles and all that. So very, you know, uh, very well-liked and well-received in that community. So, you know, again, another a good outing from Adam Wainwright. Again, uh, seven innings, four hits, earned run. But he would have three strikeouts, and Giovanni Gallegos would seal things up with the save as his eighth of the year. Now, for the Pirates, again, Nothing much to talk about here. Michael Chavis and right fielder Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and also Yoshi Tosuga will bring in RBIs, but on the mound, just, uh, you know, just nothing going on. Uh, Zach Thompson, uh, he takes the takes the loss here, two and four on the year, five innings of work, five hits, and on a run, just two strikeouts in the bullpen. Uh, pretty much struggled as well. Uh, we have the A's. They get, they you know, they got a win. Yay. We'll talk more about them, too. Oh, man, it's been a struggle, but they do get a win against the Angels, 4-2. to two. Uh, The A's are currently 17-24 going into Saturday. The Angels are 24-17. For the A's, left fielder Seth Brown will bring in the RBI. So with Jed Lowry and uh, sorry, third baseman Kevin Smith on the mound, pitcher Sam McNeil will get his first win of the year, and uh, Danny Jimenez will get his eighth save of the year. So, Again, really solid outing, at least for, you know, our pitchers on the mound. The bullpen showed up. And, you know, again, we put in some runs. And for the Angels, Anthony Rendon and, of course, Mike Trout would get some RBIs. And Chase Smith will take the L here. Uh, he's currently 1-1 one and one, one and one on the season. Six hits uh, in his outing. Uh, gave up three runs. And he would have six strikeouts. But, again, he gave up two homers. Again, not so, not so much of a good look. And, again, the A's get a... Get a rare win against a good team. Again, it's it's been a it's been a very difficult watch right now. And just looking at how nobody's going to the games and uh, it's hard. I mean, I'm gonna have to try to catch a game myself because, in my opinion, I don't know how how much longer this team is gonna be there. And uh, I'm gonna have to get catch me a couple. Uh, thank goodness my job has allowed us to catch a free game, so I'm gonna try to check that out and also catch one out on my own. Because again, like I said, uh, you know. I, you know, I don't know what's going to come of this team. And it was unfortunate that I didn't get the, a chance to see the Raiders, uh, you know, before they left. And so I feel a little bit down about that. Although, you know, I watched every game pretty much I could, you know, uh, last game I could. I still watch them, of course, but you know what I mean. Uh, but anyways, you know, moving on from that, we'll get back to the A's in just a second. Uh, we break down these standings, but uh, we had the Twins getting the best of the Royals, 6-4. to four. The Rangers get the best of the Astros, 3 to zip. And we have the Padres. They get a win of the, over the Giants here. Uh, final score, 8-7. to seven. The Padres are currently 25-14. and 14. The Giants are 22-16. and 16. So uh, they're 
in the race for some, you know, either a wild card, of course, if the season were to end today. And they're still, you know, in the mix for, of course, you know, the NL West. We'll just have to see how things play out. The Dodgers look really good, though. We'll talk about them. Oh, man. Uh, they look really, really good, at least offensively. But let's break this game down. Jake Cronenworth, two-run home run for the Padres. Will Myers will bring in two RBIs. Manny Machado will bring in an RBI as well. On the mound, Sean Manaya will get the start. He would struggle, though, going six innings, giving up five hits, four earned runs, including two home runs. Uh, Luis Garcia will pick up the win, however. Uh, he will put in just about an inning of work to seal things up. He will give up two hits and turn two earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts for him, though. He would blow the save, so it was a save opportunity for him, but he picks up the win. And Robert uh, Suarez picks up the save, his first of the season. For the Giants, uh, left fielder Darren Ruffer get a two-run home run, three total, sorry, two home runs, three total RBIs. Wilma Flores will bring in two RBIs, and Brandon Crawford will get an RBI as well. On the mound, uh, Jacob Janis will get the start for the Giants. Not, you know, not the best day for him. Six innings of work, seven hits, four earned runs. God damn, boy. You know, I, they let him go for six innings, though. You know, but it is what it is. Uh, Camilo Duvall, oops, Camilo Duvall will get the L here, his second of the year. No wins for him. And the Giants, I mean, they still look solid, but they haven't looked that good against playoff teams, playoff caliber teams. And this is the difference between the team uh, this year as opposed to last year. Again, it's very interesting how things can change. Uh, but, again, that's just na the nature of sports and life in general. But uh, the Dodgers will get a win against the Phillies 4-1. to And wrapping things up, the Orioles will get a win. Actually, yes, the Orioles get an upset win against the Rays in 11, in 11 innings, 8-6. to So let's move on to the standings starting the AL East. That's just how I do things. The Yankees are on top of that division, 28-10, 8-2 in their last 10 games, four wins in a row uh, before their loss yesterday. So they're, you know, they're pretty much rolling. They take their losses here. They take their little lumps here, but they're really a good team. They're second in runs scored currently at 187 in that ballpark, and then they're 9-4 against teams above 500. They're also first in runs allowed at about 106. Uh, they have a plus 78, uh, sorry, run differential, which is about the second best in the MLB, the best in the American League. Uh, sorry, uh, the second best. They have the second best run differential in Major League Baseball, the best in the American League. Let me take that back. So, really solid team here. You know, uh, there's a lot of drama though concerning Aaron Judge about whether or not he's coming back. Again, when it's official, we'll talk about it. I'm not here to make conjecture. I don't follow Aaron Judge like that. I don't necessarily follow the Yankees outside of, again, you know, wins and losses and stats to an extent. Uh, again, I don't know all their, you know, inner workings, not like I would with the A's or somebody like that or even the Giants because they're local and, of course, the Dodgers because I say what you will about this. I like them along with the Nationals. So I have a few teams that I like that I'll follow all deep into the headlines with. Yankees are just one of those teams I just kind of just follow in terms of, like I said, win-loss stats. So it is what it is. I'm not going to get into all about the Aaron Judge drama. Just know that it's there. It exists. He may not be a Yankee at some point next season. after next season. We'll wait and see. Again, it's an impasse in terms of a contract extension. That's the that's to the uh, the extent of my knowledge about it. So 
Let's move on to the Rays. Uh, not too bad. They're picking up where they've always been the last few years, near the top of the American League, uh, near the top of their division. Uh, they're, a f- they're a few games back this season, though, five and a half to be exact. They've been five of, they were five and five in the last ten, but they are riding a back-to-back win streak. Uh, they're 690 in Team OPS, which is in the top ten. They also have 131 RBIs, again, on the top, near the top ten area. area. Uh, in terms of pitching, they're, they're a solid team as well. Well, eighth in team ERA at about a 3.47. They're also fifth in allowed average. So again, teams can't hit that great off for them. And again, they're not giving up a whole lot of runs. And again, they score runs. They, you know, they get on base. They do what you need to do offensively. So again, they're still in the mix. Uh, it, it seems to me, now I haven't looked at any of the wild card stuff just yet. I haven't started look, looking at that just yet. But it seems to me that they would definitely be in that mix right now. Just kind of looking at uh, the rest of these records. I uh, would say that they're definitely, yeah, I definitely think that they're at least one or two uh, in that race. But we'll get back to those. We'll get back to that race in a little later, a little bit later down the line. But up next, we have the Blue Jays. They are currently third in the division, uh, 20 and 18. Of course, seven and a half games back, four and six in the last 10. So they're on the downtrend a little bit. I believe they have one back. No, they have one three straight. Let me take that back. A negative four run differential. Again, I'm a little bit surprised by that. Of course, with the bats that they have, Bo Boucher, uh, Evan, oh, sorry, Craig Biggio, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., George Springer, who they added in the offseason. So it's a little bit weird to see that go- happening right now. They're also 8-10 and 10 against teams above 500. That's not necessarily a good look because, again, you know, these are teams that they're more likely going to be facing in the playoffs if they are to make it. So, again, you got to look at those stats, too. Uh, I say when we look at uh, when we look at a game like baseball, uh, when it's so long and encompassing, uh, things you want to look at in terms of trends to kind of gauge where a team may end up. I'm going to, you know, always, uh, you know, pinpoint this and, you know, stress to you all this. I look at a curse. You look at the current record to an extent, but also look at what they've done in the last 10 games. That gives you a gauge of what they've been doing consistently. If a team is 8-2 and two in the last 10, 9-1 and one in the last 10 consistently, or even 6-4, and 7-3, anything above 5-5, five and five, in their last 10, you're checking them, looking at them multiple times, let's say in weeks and months, and you see that trend, that team has a going to more likely have a winning record, that team is, is more likely successful when you look at their stats, so on, etc. Again, when you look at teams that are going 4-6 and six in their last 10, 3-7 and seven in the last 10, etc., even 5-5, five and five, that means they're stagnant or, you know, at sometimes, you know, they're having these losing streaks and they're not where they need to be. Uh, in terms of the standings, they're near the bottom. And again, it's kind of, you know, that's what you look at. And also, their record against teams above 500, because again, that's who they're going to be playing in the playoffs. It's just, it makes perfect sense. But anyways, uh, back to the AL East. We have the, uh, the Red Sox here, 17 and 22, 11 and a half games back. Surprising uh, to me, yes, because I found them within the second or third place spot, you know, in my opinion, going into the season. Uh, right kind of when the season kind of first started because that's when I dropped everything referring to all this. And, you know, again, third place isn't surprising necessarily, but just being 17 and 22 below 500, 9 and 17 versus teams above 500. A little bit shady, a little bit weird, you know, 
especially since, you know, who they brought in in Austin, and particularly, you know, Trevor Story and those type of guys. But they are 10th in Team ERA, 3.79, and they've had some solid outings from certain pitchers, such as Nick Pavetta. Uh, I know it doesn't show in his record, but, uh, you know, he'll in certain wins, he'll have a great outing where he's given up uh, no runs, uh, you know, a bunch of strikeouts, and, you know, it's just a solid uh, performance. Now, in their losses, the pitchers haven't looked as good, but again, I think that's a lot to do with them defensively right now. Uh, that's their biggest issue because they are a top ten pitch, a top ten pitching team, and I wanted to let that be known. But uh, at the bottom, of course, this was not a surprise. Of course, the Baltimore Orioles here, fifteen and twenty-four, three and seven in the last ten, six losses in a row. Uh, back then, uh, six losses in a row. Then they had back-to-back W's, but again, you know, yeah, it's hard to say. One hundred and twenty-two runs scored. Uh, the second least in the MLB. I don't see this team doing a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of nothing. Now, I'm just saying. And this is just dumpster fire. They supposedly had this great farm system. When is it going to show up? Ah, that They've been telling us this for about 10 or so years. I'm tired of listening to it. Y'all got y'all boo-boo. I'm not saying y'all need to move out of Baltimore, but y'all need to clear house when it comes to y'all executive office. Y'all don't, y'all, y'all not solid. Y'all don't work. Y'all don't, y'all don't win. I'm going to keep it, you know, I will die on this hill. There's something wrong with how they fundamentally run their baseball team. I will die on that hill. It's just, it's not bad luck. It's not just the ALE. She's being that good. Uh, of course, Baltimore, you know, might not be the greatest market. You know, to it, but it's it's different. I think it's different when it comes to baseball. I don't think it's all like, oh my god, big market, small market. I want to play in this city. It's like you know, what type of team is it? You know, what type of chemistry? What type of culture is there? It's more so that type of stuff in baseball. So I think Baltimore needs to definitely do something about, you know, improving that to get some great players there. I mean, and and you know, again, everybody named Mama that. You know, the analyst that's you know knows about baseball, writes about baseball. They'll say all these these great things about the farm system, uh, but it's obvious the major league aspect of it is trash, and maybe even the AAA option now, or you know everything's been changed up now since they've been cut and slashed everything in terms of the minor league. So you know whatever they got to you know affiliate with them on that level right above the MLB might be you know boo boo as well. So I don't you know. They gotta figure some shit out, but they're near the bottom every fucking year, and it's just a, it's just a travesty. And even as an A's fan, at least I can say that we can compete. We can go to you know wild card games. A Baltimore fan can't even say that. You know we have you know Detroit fans, same thing. Destitute situations surprised the fuck out of me. We'll talk about them in a second uh, because I thought they'd be at least competing and looking decent within the third place spot. And they're not. They're just so far away from, you know, what the expectations were uh, from a lot of different people. But anyways, let's move. Speaking of the AL Central, let's get into that now. Uh, the Twins, are, of course, on top. Uh, 23 and 16 is their current record. They're 5 and 5 in the last 10. But they're 5 and 6 versus teams against uh, against teams, excuse me, above 500. They're riding a the back-to-back winning streak. Uh, you'll see the same thing with the White Sox as well, the second-best team in the division. Uh, very paltry record. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm gonna use all these different words. You know what I'm saying? Just to describe all this. Uh, but five and nine against teams above 500 for the White Sox. So again, both of these teams here on the surface, they look solid, right? Uh, again, for the for the Twins, they're riding back-to-back wins, but they're struggling against teams above 500. Let's keep it real. But I will say this: 
They're also third in runs allowed, uh, you know, at 135. So defensively, they're a solid team. Uh, Pitching-wise, they're great. They're 10th in walks uh, and hits allowed per nine with a 1.18. So their whip is really high. Uh, and also their seventh in strikeouts, which is at 330. That's where they struggled at the year before we talked about this. When we mentioned them, uh, that was one of their big Achilles heel was their pitching staff. They seem to have improved that, and it seems to have worked. Uh, so far, because they're still a top 10 hitting team in terms of, I believe, home runs, I believe, RBIs and stuff like that. So they're still a solid team offensively, but they've improved pitching wise and it's made the difference. I will say they need to do something about that record against teams, you know, above 500. But for right now, they are winning the division. If the season were to end today, they'd be in the playoffs. It is what it is. Uh, like I said, the, the Chicago White Sox, also a team that struggled against teams above 500. They're currently 19 and 19. Five and five in the last ten, three games back in this division, but they're riding a, a two-game losing streak uh, before they would get a win yesterday. Uh, they have a negative 27 run differential, and those are things that they need to figure out um, right now. Particularly since it's early, uh, this is almost like that. You know, this is an undressing of this team because last year they seemed to have won that division kind of handedly and looked pretty damn good so it's like mm, okay uh 135 runs scored so you know that's solid i believe that's middle of the pack right now uh 26 in team ops though with a 634 you know around that area 26 25 somewhere around there again near the just the, the point is they're near the bottom so solid in terms of runs scored but again overall offensively like i said with that ops yeah they're 21st, 20th around there in terms of batting average with a 228. Meh. And they're also third in batting average allowed, though. So their pitching is there. Their offenses. I mean, sorry, the pitching. Yeah, the pitching is there. The offense is taking a slide down for them. So that was surprising as well. I thought that that would be something that, that would, you know, that would be their hallmark of this team going into this season. But I was wrong. The Guardians. They're 17 to 19, four and a half games back, five and five in the last 10, three straight losses. This doesn't surprise me. This team is all over the place. Uh, they would get a win last night, though. Uh, they're fifth in team OPS, though. So offensively, they seem to be solid. 11th in team on base percentage. Uh, they are eighth in slugging percentage with a 396. The problem is they don't really have any pitching. Their pitching is up and down. So, you know, again, they got to figure things out. They seem to be having some positive things going for them in terms of offense. But again, you need to have a complete team to really make a true run and really win championships. We know what it is. Look at, you know, uh, look at you know, the teams that's won, that's won recently. Um, they seem to have been pretty balanced except for, you know, Atlanta then fell off completely for some reason. Maybe it's a Freddie, uh, you know, Freddie Freeman curse. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, we have the Royals, fourteen and twenty-four, three and uh, sorry, three and a half, no, eight and a half games back. Sorry, they've been taking a downward slide. Back-to-back -back losses, four and six in the last ten. Uh, negative forty-eight run differential, second worst in the MLB. What can we say here? Twenty-seven in RBIs, a little below, a little uh, somewhere around one twenty, twenty-eighth in home runs, twenty-four though so far as a team. Again, 26 in Team ERA, 4.42. All bad, all bad. Kansas City, again, dumpster fire award. Tigers, 13 to 25. Definitely sad about this one. I had them competing this year. 
I don't know why. Three straight losses, uh, 106 runs scored. That is the worst. Actually, I think around 110 at this point. Uh, but that's still the worst in baseball. Tenth in team ERA, though. So, yeah, they pitch good. But the last in team OPS, last in RBIs, they have no offense. And it's just sad to see. It's just sad to see. Let's look at the West, the AL West. We have the Astros here, 25 and 15, 6 and 4 in the last 10, 9 and 7 versus teams above 500. So this looks like, again, another solid year for the Astros. As much as I dislike them, but they seem to be getting it done. Best in team OPS, 724 around that a that area. Uh, the most home runs so far, they're pushing close to 60. 301 team ERA, third in baseball, and their ninth in batting average allowed. Of course, this is all including all the MLB at a 222 around that area. So again, really solid team both sides, and you know we'll have to see how the season progresses. But they seem to be well. We have the Angels right behind them, but you know there's a lot to 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 take with this team. They're 24 and 17, so that would put them about a game or so back. And it, on the surface, it makes them look like, ah, you know, it's really competitive right now. But they're four and six in their last ten. They've lost four in a row. So it's it's weird. They are second in runs scored, close to about 200. Uh, they're second best in terms of run differential in the American League at a plus 48. They're stagnant against teams against uh, teams above 500. Excuse me, at a seven and seven. So 500 against teams above 500. So they, you know, but they're getting better. This is a far cry from last year. I will say that. They're second in terms of home runs in, in, in Major League Baseball, first in terms of RBI. So, again, they're scoring. Uh, their slugging percentage is out of this, well, you know, pretty solid. And they're seventh in team ERA. So, again, a good pitching staff. Of course, we have Shia Otani there. Uh, we have a couple different solid pitches there. So, again, they're in the mix. But, you know, again, it's just the ebb and flows. We'll have to see how this, you know, how they progress from this. Uh, like I said, they have four losses in a row. That's, you know, I, but I think that's indicative of a team that, you know, that's still emerging, to be honest with you. We'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out, to be honest. So let's move on to the Rangers, 18-20 and 20 so far, six games back, 6-4 and four in the last 10, so they have been improving. Uh, they were riding a winning streak until they did take an L last night, uh, but they're 24th in team ERA at a 4-11. That is their biggest thing right now. They're fourth in home runs allowed, uh, giving up almost 50 of those, so they need to improve that pitching staff. But offensively, things seem to be going all right for the team. So they're in, I mean, they're, they look better. But the record doesn't necessarily show. Uh, the Mariners, 17 and 23, a little bit of a disappointment for for me because I had them at least second with the Astros or first in the division. Uh, but again, they've you know they have not been able to sustain. They bought us some decent off well, some good offseason pieces, but it hasn't been able to uh, come to fruition just yet. But they're 17 and 23, four and six in their last 10, 10 and six. Uh, against teams above 500, back-to-back -back losses for them. 13th in batting average, 232, a negative 21 run differential. 10th in on-base percentage, though. And uh, but in terms of walks allowed, you know, uh, you know they're 11th in that. So that's you know again that pitching staff. You know they they have some issues there. Seems like they can, you know, cut down on. But they're still solid, I guess. 
Let's move on to the A's. 16-24, I told you it's been a struggle. Eight and a half games back, five and five in their last ten. Uh, negative 26 run differential, so we're having some issues offensively. Uh, two, 205 batting average, which is the worst. Uh, we're, you know, or near the bottom right now. We're last in on-base percentage as well. 25th in RBIs. 15th in team ERA, though. So, again, that's decent. 3.79. And uh, we're, uh, you know, we there's something that we do good. Um, again, we have a decent closer who has eight so far, uh, eight saves this so far this year. You know, we've had some decent offensive games. We have some, you know, good offensive players like Seth Brown who can get some, who can get us some RBIs. But you know, nothing really to write home about. And uh, it's a little bit sad because you know, again, I don't know how long, how much longer this team is going to be in this area. So I wish they would have you know something positive to show everybody. But you know, it is what it is, and they got an empty ass stadium. And it's all sad. Let's move on to the National League. We talk about the Mets. They are the surprise of the season. I did not have them uh, in this position, uh, but they are 26-14, and 6-4. Back-to-back wins for them, 8-3 and three versus teams above 500 with a plus 44 run differential, 7th in team OPS, a 7.35. They're tied for second in batting average, about a, a little bit over 250 around that area. Uh, 320s, over almost 330 hits, so that would be second in the league as well, second in baseball as well. They're fourth in team ERA. They're also second in strikeouts, so about 380 for them. And, you know, the biggest thing for this team right now, though, is, you know, them dealing with life without Jacob DeGrom right now. It's a month before he comes back. But recently, Max Scherzer has gone down for about six to eight weeks with with an oblique strain. Now, they've been able to survive without, you know, DeGrom. Maybe, you know, but they won't have him for another month. But now, you know, Scherzer goes down for about the same amount of time. Ooh. You know, it could get interesting. Uh, I also think they have a solid offense to carry them as well, of course, as we mentioned with the OPS and, of course, their batting averages and, you know, their hits in general. So they're they're getting on base. Uh, they're generating offense. They have a decent or have a pretty good run differential. So the question is how, you know, can they sustain without their two best pitchers for a while? That's the biggest question for them going into the future, at least in the near future. The Phillies are next up in the AL, sorry, the NL East, 18-21, seven and a half games back, five and five in the last ten, back-to-back losses, ninth in team ERA. Uh, they're tied for second so far in this uh, short and short season so far, a little bit of above 250 for their batting average. Uh, they're tied for second in doubles as well, six in home runs for them, and they're third in slugging percentage with about about a 420. So again, you know, off. Offensively, this team seems to be doing it, you know. But again, they have to stay consistent. They're riding a two-game losing streak. Uh, again, you know they have some great hitters there uh, with JT Real Muto. Still got Bryce Harper there. So look for that offense to take heights as we get deeper into the season. I'm interested in to see into seeing how this pitching staff develops. I'm not convinced. And, you know, until they improve, this is what you got. They're, they're ninth in Team ERA, but there's some other things that, you know, they're not, you know. I, I just mentioned that surface stat there, to be honest with you. I, I There's more I could have mentioned, but, you know, there's so many other teams I got to talk about today. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying. The Marlins are 17-21, and 21, back-to-back losses for them as well. 
eight games back for them, four and 11 against teams above 500. So, again, I don't see this team really carrying, uh, you know, this throughout the season. I, I expect for them to dip a little bit more than where they're at. The, the Braves are behind them um, at 18 and 21. I just think the Braves have enough talent to kind of, you know, to pull their, their situation together. Uh, but for the Marlins, for what it's worth, they're, you know, 13th in the MLB in terms of OPS. So they're solid there, ninth in slugging percentage. And they're also tied for third in triples with eight. So, again, uh, there's some things that they do well. Uh, again, like I said, with the Braves, I just think they have a little bit more talent. Uh, but uh, they're currently 19 and 21, 5 and 5 in the last 10. Actually, they're uh, third instead of the Marlins, actually. 19 and 21, 5 and 5 in the last 10. Negative 13 run differential for them. Uh, but they are 9-11 against teams above 500. But that, this is kind of part par of the course for last season as well, kind of. So, again, they weren't the prettiest-looking team. But, again, near the, near the time where, you know, where it's important to win, they won. Uh, but they're 21st in Team ERA right now. So, that's one of their biggest knocks, 393. They're fifth in walks allowed with about 140 almost. They're also eighth. And earned runs, so 147. So there's some things that they need to improve upon with that pitching. It hasn't shown up this uh, so far this season. But uh, of course, the Washington Juan Soto, because that's all they are. Uh, 13 to 27. No surprise that they are in last place. 12 games back. Three and seven in the last 10. Negative 52 run differential. These are all things we know. Uh, only uh, I don't even think they hit 30 home runs just yet. But they're about 26 in that department. Uh, but they are. You know, third, surprisingly, in batting average. I don't know why. Um, I guess they, everybody got to have a decent stat somewhere. Uh, 28th in Team ERA, of course, in the bottom of the league. And their second most runs allowed at 210. So, again, boo. And I like the Nationals, but this year, boo. Oh, my God. They look so trash. Just keeping it real. Keeping it real. Let's move on to the Central. The, uh, the Brewers here. Six and four in the last ten back-to-back Ws that puts them at twenty-five and fourteen, two and three versus teams against five hundred. So, pretty much a limited, you know, sample so far compared to other teams. Uh, against te- you know, uh, compared to other teams uh, that are uh, facing teams against facing teams above five hundred. Sorry, uh, it's a limited sample size compared to other teams that are facing squads that are above five hundred. Damn, there we go. That came out right that time. Now, they are ninth in Team ERA at a not, at a 3.49. That was their calling card going into this season. Uh, Woodard is one of their, their solid pitchers there. I think he's still there. Corbin Burns, of course, was a big highlight name going into the season. So, again, this is not, you know, surprising. Third in batting average allowed. They had the most Ks at about 400, over 400. They're also first uh, in uh, – Sorry, first in the major league in terms of total saves, and that's 17. Uh, they're also ninth in home runs, so, you know, at about 34, 35, I believe. So, again, they're solid offensively as well, eighth in team OPS, and they're also fourth uh, in terms of RBI. So, again, really good start for this team. Uh, again, the pitching staff is there, but the offense, uh, you know, has improved since last season. So, I think that's where we're at, where we're at right now. This is a really good team. Uh, you know, just this early in the year. But then uh, a few games behind them, uh, well, five and a half to be exact, you have the Cardinals, 21 and uh, twenty-one and 18. So not a bad start for them. 
Uh, I, I still think they could, you know, always make a playoff run, magical playoff run. They just have that ability to do that, you know, despite what their record might be. Uh, plus 28 run differential for them, 10th in RBI, 7th in team batting average, almost hitting about a 250. And they're also 12th in team ERA, so that's pretty good as well, 3.67. And they're also 9th in terms of runs, earned runs allowed at 132. So solid team there. I'm not going to knock them. Of course, you know, we have a lot of a lot of players there making their last hurrah, uh, one last ride for the team. You know, let's see what happens. And, you know, good things happen when you're in it for the right reasons. So, you know, I always, got, I always tip my cap to the Cardinals. Uh, moving on, we have the Pirates here. Not surprised about this. 16-22, eight and a half games back, four and six in the last ten. Uh, 27th at Team ERA, of course. Negative 73 run differential, the worst in MLB. In the MLB right now, 168 earned runs allowed. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, 641 team OPS. That's near the bottom of the league as well. There's nothing good to say about that team. So we're going to move on to the Cubs where there's a bit of a surprising team. They, I don't think they should have a record like this, you know, despite their talent. But here we are. Uh, uh, 15 and 23, they are last in the NL Central, 5 and 5 in the last 10, 3 straight losses, 17th in Team OPS at a 678, 148 RBIs, that's around 19, so mid-pack there, uh, you know, they have 132 runs scored, which is not that great, so, you know, there you go, the Cubs, and then finally, we have the Reds, boo-booed, ooh, even more garbage, god damn, 11 and 27, 13 games back, of course. Six and four in the last 10, the worst team in terms of ERA with a, with damn near six. Uh, the most earned runs at 214. Ain't nothing good to say about them neither. So let's just go ahead to the NL West. Well, we have some positive things to talk about because we have some decent teams here. Uh, the Dodgers are 25 and 12, six and four in the last 10, five wins in a row, I believe, actually six wins in a row. I think that's no, no, five, five wins in a row. Excuse me. Um, plus eighty-six run differential, the best in Major League Baseball. Six and one versus teams above five hundred. That is a significant stat for me. That's the most significant, probably in my opinion. That means a lot. Two hundred run, two hundred and seven runs scored so far. That's also the best in Major League be Baseball. Excuse me. They're top. They're the top teams. One of the top teams in, t in terms of OPS, around 750. Uh, they're also uh, first in total hits with 329. They're second in RBI, second in Team ERA. Uh, we're talking about a sub-3, 285, so t sub-29. Come on now. Uh, they're first in batting average allowed, 215. What else can you say? I think they are in the driver's seat, the very best-looking team so far. Again, but they could all let it fall apart in the postseason. So, <laughs> but right now they look really good. They look really good right now. They look really good right now. <laughs> Up next we have the Padres here, twenty-five and fourteen. I believe they're about a, a one and a half games back, six and four in the last ten. Uh, they are three and four, no two and four versus teams against five, uh, above five hundred. Uh, they are 11th in Major League Baseball in terms of their ERA, their team ERA, which is a 3.6 around there. They're also tied uh, tied for second in terms of saves. So a really solid pitching staff. Uh, again, they're sec tied for second in saves with 15. Uh, they're second. Uh, they're 22nd in team batting average, though. That is one thing here. They're also 21st in home runs, which is surprising because they have Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, 
Those are considered to be kind of power hitters. Of course, Fernando Tatis Jr. is supposed to be this amazing hitter. Will Myers was supposed to be a great hitter. And yeah, we'll see. Again, that two and four against teams above 500. I'm going to look at that. Again, we have the Giants here, 22 and 16, 6 and 4 in the last 10. Uh, they're riding a two game losing streak, unfortunately. 7 and 11 versus teams above 500. Again, a far cry from the season before where they were pretty good. Uh, so, again, you know, things do change, but they're still in the mix, definitely. They're still a solid team. They're third in uh, total RBIs, uh, around 180. Uh, they're also sixth in terms of their batting average. Again, they're uh, top. Well, th this is the thing. Last year, they had a great a great ERA. This year, not so much. They're 20th in total ERA, uh, almost a four, around a 3.9, 3.8, somewhere around there. They also, But they also giving up the least amount of home runs, so you're not heading for power often. They're not giving up extra bases too much. Uh, so, again, there's some things that they do right. Uh, but, again, that ERA has to be rectified, uh, you know, you know, the runs that they're giving up has to be rectified. And, you know, but again, they're scoring. So that's a good thing for them right now. Of course, we have Brandon Crawford there. Uh, you know, all those guys, all the OG veterans, Wilma Flores. So, again, there's some positive things to say about them. But, again, there's just third right now. Uh, let's move on. We have the Diamondbacks here, 20 and 21, uh, seven and a half games back, six losses in a row for them until they won back-to-back -back wins, back-to-back uh, -back games. Negative 22 run differential for them, uh, 208 batting average, which is around the second worst in baseball. Uh, second, 22nd, excuse me, in terms of ERA again, pushing a four. So they're around the Giants in terms of that department, in terms of ERA, team ERA. So uh, that's something to look at for the Giants. Again, uh, you know, I still think the Giants have uh, the experience, the capabilities to do something in terms of the playoffs. They have a great manager. And again, the Padres don't look so hot against playoff, you know, playoff caliber teams either. So there's a chance that they can overtake them at some point. Uh, but I do think, oh, let's talk about the Rockies real quick. Of course, the bottom dwellers, uh, 18 and 19, seven games back, of course, two and eight in the last 10. Again, 5.03 ERA, second most in the MLB, trash. Uh, third in terms of earned runs allowed, almost 200 there, about 190-something, I believe. Uh, fourth in team OPS, though, great. Uh, they have the best batting average. That's good. So they have a great offense. They have a decent enough offense. They're fifth in team slugging percentage, but the pitching is just – uh, and that's the the case with some of these teams right now. They have so they have either great pitching and boo 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 offense, and or vice versa. They have you know great offense and piss poor pitching. It's like I don't understand. Uh, but the great the good teams, the Dodgers, uh, we see the Astros, even the Yankees. They're highly rated in terms of offense and defense. Again, there's that balance. You can't be, you know, over flooded in one department and lacking in the other to the point where it's a detriment, where you're finishing near the bottom of the league. Because it's obvious that teams uh, such as uh, we can look at it, uh, we can look at, you know, just like I mentioned, you know, with the Rockies. Uh, they're fourth in team OPS. They have one of the best batting averages in the league right now. But their pitching staff is near the, is the second worst in terms of earned run average. So, again, that and look at where they're at. They're a game below 507 games back within the division. So you can't be lacking all that much in one department and expect to be productive. Uh, but as far as I, I see it right now, the Dodgers, 
look to be the best team, one of the best teams in baseball right now. Uh, the top three in terms of if I were to give you guys a top five in terms of the power rankings that I see right now, I got the Dodgers. I got the mm, – I'm going to go with the Astros and then the Yankees. And then behind them, I'm going to go with uh, the Brewers. And then to wrap everything up, mm, uh, Angels been falling off. Padres look so-so. Mm, I'm being real with y'all. I, I guess I can go with the Rays only because, only because I feel the Twins have looked kind of iffy, five and five lately. They have won back-to-back games, but mm, that five and six against playoff-bound teams, that you know playoff-caliber teams, doesn't really suit me. So I'm gonna go uh, again. My top five Rays are in that. My top five power rankings again. You know, Dodgers, you know, Astros, you know, we got the Yankees there, Rays, so, and also the Brewers, of course. Not necessarily in that order, but right now, if I'm looking at the five best teams right now, that's who I'm looking at. Um, If I were to kind of take a stab at wild cards right now, no, I'll wait on that one. I got to look at these records some more and look at some more baseball. But anyways, this is a pretty long segment to be to begin with anyways i can't go any further in terms of that but anyways let's take a break i'm gonna come back and we're gonna get into some M- nba playoff action of course we're talking about the conference finals so i'll be back y'all discussion hopefully I will have time to have here now let's get into game one of course of the Eastern Conference Finals uh, this was a win by the Heat 107 8 118 was the final score Jason Tatum will lead the way for the Celtics in this one 29 points six assists eight rebounds Jalen Brown will put up 24 points as well as 10 rebounds Jimmy Butler uh, will lead the way in terms of scoring for both teams. 41 points from him, 5 assists, 9 rebounds, 17 to 18 from the free throw line. So, really clutch, especially late. Um, and also, Tyler Hero, again, great six, great from the six-man spot. 18 points from him, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists. Now, Boston uh, was healthy, just 14 points in the fourth quarter. They would also give up 16 turnovers, despite starting off hot uh, with 42 points in the paint in just a the, sorry, the first 24 minutes of the game. And they also will lead by eight at the half. So, again, they were doing all the things right offensively. But, you know, again, you start off hot. Sometimes you go cold. You just dry. And it's just you can't get nothing out the well. 
Uh, Miami will force 10 steals, and they also tie a franchise record with 12 blocks in a playoff game. But, you know, that's typical of Miami basketball. We know this by now. They come to play defensively. Jimmy Butler is a dog. We know that. He don't take no soft shit from no soft-ass niggas. Right? Okay. Proceeded to go on a 22-2 run, that being the Miami Heat. And they would start off, or that, that would start off the second half. Boston would give up eight turnovers in just 12 minutes in that half. And Jason Tatum would have six of those. So, again, Miami forces turnovers. They force you into bad shots. They, you know, they block you. <laughs> Particularly if you think you have an advantage. They think you get raw. And they like it when you think, when you show some, um, when you show some fight. You show some moxie. That's what I like about Miami. Particularly Jimmy Butler. He like it when you think you're feeling yourself. Like, yeah, I just... I just scored like 20, all right? Well, you ain't finna score no more buckets, sir. And Jimmy Butler D's you up and you don't do shit. Um, you know, the Heat would go on to score 12 points off Celtic turnovers. Again, another factor in terms of the final score. You don't give up turnover because that's what happened. Marcus Smart and now Hartford were out for that game. Uh, they were missing in action, uh, but both will return for game two. Of course, uh, that Horford had to deal with some shit for COVID and... Uh, you know, you had uh, uh, Smart dealing with some type of injury. I think it was some type of sprain, but he was just out for about a game. Because, of course, they came back for game two, and they seem to be a part of the difference. Uh, you know, the Celtics will get the win here, 127-102. Jason Tatum, again, uh, will be uh, part of the, the scoring frenzy. 27 points from him, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Uh, Jimmy Butler will be the team's leading scorer for the Heat, 29 points from him. Six uh, six rebounds, three assists. Uh, for Boston, they will shoot 51% from the field, 50% from three. Al Horford, Marcus Smart would make their returns. Horford would have 10 points, 13, uh, th sorry, 13, but three assists, three rebounds. Solid for his return. I think he played about 30 minutes. Uh, Marcus Smart would have 24 points, 12 assists, two, uh, three rebounds. Again, you know, showing his defensive effort and why he's a DPOI. Uh, well earned on top of that. Uh, six total players for Boston will score in double digits. Of course, Damon Brown uh, would be one of those. 24 points from him, three assists, eight rebounds. Grant Williams at the forward spot coming off the bench. I know this might have uh, surprised you. 19 points from him, four assists. I know it surprised the fuck out of me. The Celtics will score 70 points in the first half and will go on a 17-0 run in the first quarter. Miami didn't have a chance, although they played good defense. They just didn't. Hey. They just wasn't there in that one. Now, the Heat would give up 14 turnovers. Uh, P.J. Tuck, uh, Tucker would suffer a knee cont uh, contusion. He would need an MRI. His status for the rest of the series is unclear. That sucks because he's one of the best defensive players. So you have to you have to just wish him the best. You want him to always have the you know the best players for it. But it is what it is. He can't play. He can't play. Now, let's move on to the Western Conference Finals. I'll give you my thoughts on how I feel about each of the series in just a second. Of course, the Warriors will get it, uh, you know, beat down the Mavericks 112 to 87, uh, get that W. Luka would be the team's leading scorer for Dallas, but it was it was difficult. 20 points from him, four assists, seven rebounds. Spencer Dinwiddie uh, would help him out with 17 points. He would also have a couple assists. Steph Curry, of course, doing his thing in the playoffs, 21 points, 12 rebounds, four assists. Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole both have 19. Both would have 19 points for the Dubs. 
seemed like a pretty easy item for them, to be honest with you. Uh, just indicative of what they've been doing for the past, you could almost, no, not necessarily a decade, but about half a decade, going on a decade almost. The Warriors would shoot 56% from the field. Seven players would score in double digits. Luka would struggle going, I believe, 6-18 from the field. And, uh, you know, it just it just was, a, was an all-out just struggle for him. This was the lowest scoring game of Luka's career, or third lowest scoring game of Luka's career. And overall, Dallas would struggle going 3 of 13 on open three pointers. So, again, you know, they struggled. I mean, they lived and died by the three this whole season. Looks like they died uh, in game one. It looks like they kind of died in game two. Again, uh, Jason Kidd will mention this as well. But the final score in game two was 117 126, of course, in favor of the Warriors. Uh, Luka would have 42 points, eight assists, five rebounds. Jalen Brunson, 31 points, five assists, seven rebounds. This just wasn't enough. Steph would have t 32 points, five assists, and three rebounds. And Jordan Poole, again, just uh, defying all expectations. 23 points from him, five assists. What can you say? The Mavericks drop an 18 point, no, a 19 point lead late in the game. Ooh, Jason Kidd will blame, put the blame on the team's, uh, you know, tendency to just go for that three point shot, particularly in the third point, third, third quarter, excuse me, where they will go just two of 13. That sound like the Ma that sound like the, the Houston Rockets, damn near. Ooh, boy, y'all can't match them. Y'all not Golden State. I don't know, understand why y'all think y'all can just shoot threes like Golden State. You will never be as automatic and clay were in that time period. You're never, it's never going to happen. Y'all, it's something, I don't know what it is. It's just, it, it, it's a moment in time. Maybe 10, 20, 30 years later down the line, maybe you might have somebody who never misses anything. Maybe, I don't know, but... You ain't nobody is as accurate as those two people together. I don't care. Clay wasn't that big of a factor offensively. Well, who knows? He's lurking in the background, waiting for Luca to think he's all that so he can just drop 40 in the third quarter. So I am not. Uh uh. Stop trying to play like them. Do other shit. Jason Kidd will mention this as well. Live by the three, die by the three. It's just unfortunate we had to see that, of course. He put the over. He said it was an over reliance on threes. I agree. Uh, Twenty one of forty five from three. They tied for uh, they tied for third place for number of three pointers made in the playoff loss. There you go. The Golden State uh, made the most of their shooting. However, they scored forty three points in the in the fourth quarter, going fifteen and nineteen from the floor. You can't match that if you're just going from three. You got to go to the paint. You got to shoot jumpers. You got to shoot threes, too. But you got to shoot everything. I think uh, Jason K said it right. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But he was like, you know, if you're can, you, you if you're shooting four, four threes in a row and you don't make them, you can't take the fifth. Brilliant. Duh. After, actually, after the third, you take maybe one, two. I'll give you one or two, maybe three at the most. But you got to do something else. You better go to that paint. You better try to put, pick up a foul. You better do a, 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 a easy layup, try to dunk it. You better try to make a mid-range jumper, long jumper. I don't care. Under the rim, I don't care. You need to do more than shoot threes, Dallas, if you want to beat this team. Y'all capable of doing so. You know, you, know, you got – this is the thing. Luka is so dynamic in the way that he can score. He can rely on those other people to do the shooting while he can kind of, you know, give him that extra wrinkle. He just wants to shoot threes. 
it ain't working because he's not automatic like Steph or Clay. I'm sorry. It don't work that way. And then, you know, for Golden State, they would have, uh, I think, six players scoring in double digits, including Kayvon Looney, who comes out of nowhere every now and again to have a 20-point playoff game. He don't do a whole lot. Just comes out the trees to lurk like a Sasquatch. Hello. And then he just put up 20, 21 points and 12 rebounds. you got to be aware of that, Dallas. Y'all got no answers for those type of things. And I'm just going to say it right now for this series. I don't think Dallas does have the answers. This might be a sweep. This might go 4-1. Again, this this is just the Warriors' time. I said they got two or three good runs in them anyway. So I, you, you already know how I feel. This is just 2015. This is 2017 when Houston missed all the shots. 28, whatever year it happened. I got the Warriors winning this series. I don't. That's me. As far as the Eastern Conference, this this is going to be a little bit different. You know, um, we clearly see moments where the Heat can lock lock down on Boston defensively. And we clearly see moments where, of course, they can't control Boston. Uh, last game they scored, uh, Boston was shooting at 51% from the field. Of course, 50% from three. I think that's significant. Uh, particularly against a team like the Heat, who don't let you really score on them like that. But uh, Boston has a good good cast of uh, supporting players around Jason Tatum as well, just like, you know, of course, the Heat have their supporting cast around Jimmy Butler. You know, it, it's going to come down to coaching, I think, as well, just who can make those, those right plays. Of course, we have Jimmy, who has so much experience in these playoffs. Uh, he'll become a factor as well. P.J. Tucker's uh, injury may play a factor because, of course, he's a great defender. But I do think the Heat are young and they're, and they're willing to, to, to roll, you know, despite not having him. Uh, so, I mean, the Heat got the Heat got the Heat have to stop Boston defensively, uh, you know, to be successful. You know, and the thing about it is, I don't think they can control Boston every game. So I think this goes seven games. I don't have a clear winner just yet on this one. I'm very on the fence about this one. All right, y'all. I wanted to have another uh, brief discussion before I let y'all go. I, I'm sorry. I couldn't get to the Matt Harvey situation. I just got too <laughs> caught up in all those, those, those teams, talking about those teams and everything. But we can get through this discussion now. This was an article that I came across in uh, – Fox Business, and this is, of course, the conservative way of looking at things. And I want to share these these topics here. You know, I want to share liberal views. Uh, you know, the in between views, the conservative views, the extreme right, the extreme left, just to kind of get us an idea of what's being said and what's being put out there. And we can discuss it. Or, you know, we can discuss it, and we can get an idea. Uh, you know, just get a good knowledge of what is, what's out there period and you know what what these ideas are so we can understand where these people are coming from so of course according to fox business uh they went ahead and they they wanted to point out uh, you know the nba and they've been doing this for a while now and many conservative uh talking heads have been into this uh particularly in the sports realm as well like you know your jason whitlocks and those of that nature I can't name a whole lot of uh, conservatives. I can name you a whole lot of liberal guys on a different spectrum at ESPN. I'm sorry, uh, but I, I I got the I got the initial points. <laughs> Those are the, these are what we can talk about. I don't need to talk about the individuals per se. We can talk about the ideas being shared. Okay, that's the main thing. 
But anyways, of course, they wanted to point out that many of these NBA teams, uh, their owners, uh, there's uh, evidence of up to 40 of them, uh, you know, owners, executives. Now, despite, uh, you know, despite the issues going on in China right now, uh, between, you know, their issues on prohibition of, of free speech and the persecution of marginalized people. In this group, in this situation, we're talking about the Uyghur Muslims. And if I pronounce that wrong, forgive me. I, you know, I would, I, I need to become more savvy in terms of those things. I will say that just in terms of these pronunciations, because that's just me. I just want to have that right. But so forgive me if I did pronounce that wrong. But, you know, Fox Business and conservatives in general in this circle want to point out that you know the nba seems to be cool with you know china's stance on these certain issues and they want to invest in you know china or have china invest in the nba and they have a problem with all that and then of course these owners being critical of what goes on in america in terms of of course racial equality social things of that nature or you know how corporations deal with workers you know all things that they would all label as Marxist and leftist, of course. We all know what it is. Now, these owners, uh, so the who, what, when, where, why. Now, the when is currently. And the what, like I said, is these investments and these business deals and connections that these in, uh, these NBA owners have with, you know, the Chinese government. And, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the who, what, when, you know, and we, so the who now is, you know, we have Michael Jordan, owner of the Hornets. Uh, you know, we have Mickey Arison, owner of the Heat, Joe Sy, owner of the Nets. And we have Paul Jacobs, the co-owner of the Kings, as well as Robert Perra, the Grizzlies. Uh, and also Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets and Joshua Harris of the Six. Now, mind you, not only do these owners own the NBA teams, but they own all these different corporations as well. So you kind of get the idea where we're going to be going with this. For example, just as an example of what's going on and how this is being done, the support is, you know, being shown and what these, uh, you know, Republicans are showcasing, how, you know, how, you know, these uh, liberal owners or, you know, whatever are displaying this support. Again, as it's in terms of Arison, uh, the owner of the Heat, he has a three, he has $375 million uh, tied to a Chinese uh, company affiliated with his Carnival Corp, so his cruise ship company. He also partnered with a uh, Chinese shipbuilding company to develop a cruise line. Now, mind you, this Chinese shipbuilding company uh, just so happens to be affiliated with Chinese military. I'll give you that. But with that being said, U.S. corporations and gun corporation companies and weapons and munitions companies, they sell to all countries around the world, including our enemies, quote unquote, that being China, Russia, and North Korea, and Iran, and all these different, you know, governments, you know, like, you know, Saudi Arabia. So, again, what is the point about getting mad at the NBA for? Don't they do what every all business does? This is free, open market. Again, these are neoliberals, neocons. Of course, on the surface, they want to push these liberal ideal values. And of course, on the other side, like I said, the neocons, they want to you know push these conservative values. But on the surface, we all know it's about the green. It's about the money. 
Paris company Ubiquity has logistics and manufacturing operations headquartered in China. Again, that goes for multiple, uh, you know, companies, regardless of where they fall, you know, politically. They have headquarters either in China or some different country, sometimes in Latin America. This bothers you. How about when you look at your Ford and you're driving around in your Fusion or your F-150 or, oh yeah, particularly your F-150 because that's all they really sell. And you're, or maybe your Explorer, your Expedition, they sell those too. They sell those a lot too. You might think about it when you're in your Focus or your Taurus, but they don't really make those no more. But you know what I'm saying. When you're riding around in your Ford, remember that, you know, Ford, the company, supported Germany in both world wars by selling them, you know, vehicles, right? Uh, if you ever pick up your bottle of Coca-Cola or your Juana Fanta, don't you Juana Fanta, you know that shit? That shit was made by the Nazi party, okay? Those that people that were in it, and it was funded by Coca-Cola. It's an offshoot, okay? So if you want to be mad about that, be mad about, you know, be, if you want to be mad about this, be mad about that too. Make sure you talk about that too because this is nothing new under the sun. Of course, right? We're in 2021. I'm just saying, y'all, there's historical precedence for this. This is business. This is what the Republicans, what conservatives have always been about. But it's all political now. So they want to say, well, it's wrong when the, when, when quote unquote, uh, liberal people do it and liberal minded, liberal minded business people do it. But when we do it with companies that support our interests, it's perfectly fucking fine. I'm not falling for the bullshit. I'm not falling for this argument here. Okay. These are the type of arguments that we don't need to have. Particularly, look, there are 28 American companies still in Russia right now. Including a couple banks, Citibank to be one of them. So, <laughs> hello. <laughs> we know that Russia is pretty much trying to take over Eastern Europe and eventually punk whoever else he can in Europe. Come on now. Can't y'all see that? But that's fine. But somehow China, oh my God, China. Oh, and listen here. I'm not saying China is our buddy, but I think y'all really got an issue with China really be able to dictate its own future and being able to be a full force in the market for some reason. Now, why is that? Is it because they're non-white? I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just pointing out kind of what I see. Okay. Cause, uh, y'all not tripping about Citibank doing business in Russia. You ain't tripping about all them Republicans trying to do energy business in Russia. Getting oil from, I don't know what y'all tripping about. But see, y'all keep, you know, this red versus blue. That's the trap. Republican versus Democrat. That's the trap. Liberal, conservative. That's the trap. I'm just saying. They all do it. They all out there. They all do business all around the world in these different countries. You know who ain't got the jobs? We ain't got the jobs, though. Shit, Ubiquity is located in uh, China. Shit. Imagine if that was headquartered somewhere like, I don't know. I don't know, maybe, you know, Oakland or, you know, maybe, um, you know, just some American city, Pittsburgh. Oh, man, imagine what that would do for American jobs. Oh, there's a bunch of jobs right there. <laughs> and, of course, there's always that, that thing of, you know, and one other thing I wanted to point out to y'all is the whole thing about them, particularly with the conservatives and when you listen to Fox's 
Yes, they're always they're always talking about what's going on in America and and all the issues that we have in terms of race. But the, these people, these owners, don't want to talk about what's going on in China. That's not their place. The people like you know your boy uh, who's affiliated uh, Morley, who's affiliated with the I think he's uh, he was with the Rockets. He's with the Sixers now. If they want to support Hong Kong, that's okay to do that too. But for the most part, you ain't got to speak on what's going on in a whole ass different country. You American. If you got a problem with what's going on in America, that makes sense to me because you're an American. Like if somebody's critical of the black community, oh, he's an Uncle Tom. No, he's a black man or a black, that's a black woman. They have a right to be critical of this, of the, of the situation that they're directly a part of. So if somebody's being critical of America, that's what part of the fair. He's an American. Now, I'll say shit like this, like Joe Tsai, being of Taiwanese descent, of course, he grew up in Canada and has all these pa passports to Hong Kong, all these different connections. I think he's a sellout for, for his views on what's going on in, in Hong Kong. Talking about, oh, I, I'd rather it be, you know, a, a country. I don't want these foreign countries involved in China and enforcing their influence. Well, let's, let's, take it, let's keep it real. Taiwan broke free from the mainland China. They don't fuck with communism. So what the fuck are you even talking about? That was their movement. That was the war that they had, a civil war they had. They chose to get into. What are you talking about? Now, I don't agree with all that. Yeah, of course, I'll call out that. But shit, we got shit going on in America. They're trying to put out uh, all type of propaganda about what's going on out here. When they got shit going on in their country, yes. Do I, get, do I buy into it? No. But is it true? Yeah. <laughs> course they racist here but they're not that much better in china today people of course they have a social credit score look into that they're not perfect i would i'm glad our government ain't like theirs or like russia's let's keep it real shit well I, well I want more things going on in terms of healthcare, like a like a cuba maybe or like what goes on in europe certain countries like sweden of course yeah but will i take will i take you know republican and democrat you know, the bullshit that they go through over what goes on in Russia. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather have a just a regular credit score than a social credit score. Yeah, I could, I could live with that. So I'm just keeping it lit. And again, they always try to keep it in this country. You know, again, they don't want you to get into the racism conversation and the conversations about what really goes on in this country. They want to distract you about what's going on here and there. That's the whole Republican movement right there. Why you, why you don't want to stand up for them? Shut that lame ass shit up, Republican. You don't want to stand up for your own Americans. Americans are telling you right here, they're killing us. With, we have no, we have no weapons. You're a liar. You're that's not happening. That isn't happening. That's that's an American. Your people need your support. You don't want to support them. Shit, we need better access to healthcare. No, you don't. You need to get jobs. You need to do this. You need to stop begging. That, see, that's the point. But you want to call out China for this. China for that. Fuck what China doing? I don't live in I don't live in Beijing. You don't live in Beijing. Shit, you don't live in nothing. You don't live in Shanghai. You don't live in Hong Kong. I don't know what y'all bitching about. First and first and foremost, so what these people want to do? That's what y'all do, bitch. That's the, the pot calling the kettle black, and that's just where we, where we at at this point uh, of this of this uh, society. That's why you gotta watch these arguments about oh what the Democrats ain't this to you. Republicans this and conservatives that and uh, conservatives more traditional this and we need to do we don't we need to do for our communities and first of all ourselves first and we need to rectify 
our personal relationships and our close by relationships and, and you know affect our communities in a positive way grassroots we don't need these corporations we don't need both of these different parties we don't need to be pro this or pro that or strictly republican or strictly democrat we need to have open minds to a lot of this shit and open minds to trying to improve ourselves in a uh, what's you what you call more proactive way all right y'all with that being said i'm calling it a wrap for today i know this episode went on a little bit i had to uh, catch catch up on things particularly in the baseball department but uh we will be back pretty soon uh there's a couple stories i didn't uh, touch on touch up on from the baseball award including of course like i mentioned before matt harvey and his connection with the uh, passing of tyler skaggs and how it's affecting him now we're also going to be talking about the first female uh to be affiliated with major league baseball as a player and we'll talk about what the impact is and we'll also talk about we'll also uh take a We'll make a we'll make a bet to see when uh all these when and if these Republicans start to lose their mind about it and start to blow up and start to just have these 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 bold conversations about why this is this is wrong and and all that we're gonna we're gonna take a take a take a pull. I say it's about another week or so until they just start losing their mind and just have a shit show with this. We'll see. Anyways, we'll get back into the NBA playoffs as well. Of course, we are in the midst of the conference finals. Uh, we also, I also want to get into the uh, the draft as well. So we're going to break down the NBA draft board. Who's who? Who, the, who in terms of the prospects? Uh, who to look out for? Who I think is going to be a bust already, uh, based on what I've seen so far in the last season of college uh, college basketball, as well as of course the tournament. And then of course, uh, I'm, I have uh, two music reviews for y'all. I'm holding them for y'all. I'm still going through uh, both albums as we speak, kind of listening to both songs, re-listening to songs again. And so uh, that'll be out along uh, with this stuff as well, along with this other sports stuff as well. Maybe a word on a street segment as well, depending on uh, you know what all comes to me in terms of the news. So if you're looking to get in touch with me, I'll be leaving my link for my Instagram available to you. I'll also be leaving a link to my YouTube channel please be sure to like and to subscribe to that if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you guys peace out one love and i'll highlight you guys later